This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. right off the bat so the first topic of discussion today is we could talk about how much you love nickelback <laughs> what do you think do we i don't know if we should post that <laughs> <laughs> you were just waiting to spool that one i out. was <laughs> i'm like man i was like i gotta talk about nickelback i gotta talk about nickelback i uh <laughs> it's a fond memory of growing up in the keys a little closer on it, on it yeah it's a grow, up, grow up with the keys it's yeah. a fond memory of growing up in the keys and our neighbor, uh, who always took me fishing, was you know always had it playing. He had a pool table in the uh, in the garage in his house. Did he have a half shirt, cut off sleeves? Probably did. <laughs> I, I actually, now that you mention it, he probably I think he and did. a mullet. <laughs> he didn't have a mullet. No, no. I, no. I, yeah, I'm just messing with you. Is it uh, inappropriate? I was going to make a Gainesville joke. I'm a, Manol, you know. I'm an old too. Oh, okay, oh rip! He's a hurricane, so you, it's you can be make fun of the Gators. Go okay, ahead. Yeah, we all we can. Everyone can make fun of the Gators on this show. That's, that's I, I have good. to admit, though, I can tolerate the Gators more than the Hurricanes. You guys yeah, are the fans really? are kind of bad. I'm, the fans I'm, are horrible. What's that? Get, get, uh, Canes fans are horrible. Canes uh, fans are more aggressive. I feel like Florida fans are just annoying as shit. I just can't right, stand them. I don't know. They're just really annoying to oh. me. Florida fans. Yeah, yeah. Was Florida yeah. State super annoying to you guys when we were, like, in our Winston yes. years? Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I tried bit. not to be like that. Yeah. Um, but then again, we were silenced by Jameis's antics. Yeah. Crab legs. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, with, with the Jameis Winston, like, everyone tried to, like, poke fun. You know what I mean? During the whole, it's all justified. You know what I mean? And I was basically took the stance of, I just need them to win games. <laughs> I really don't care what he does in his free time. That's pretty much how I look at like, like most like athletes. You know, and I'm like, you're, you're on the field. I'm, you're never going to come to my house for dinner, or date my daughter. Hopefully not. You know that kind of thing. So I really, <laughs> really don't. But I don't know. 
I, I guess I'm torn because then the more like I have friends that are professional athletes and stuff like that, then that does change my mind a little bit on it. But for the most part, it's a form of entertainment for me. I, I really you know, don't take it so personally. I was talking to somebody yesterday, I won't name any names, that's friends with uh, a Florida Panthers defenseman. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about hockey. Former or current? Current. And we were talking about hockey, and for anybody that follows hockey or follows the Florida Panthers, the season was just underwhelming as far as a you know a big disappointment and how it ended. Now the Islanders, I was are, so bummed, man. But the Islanders are kicking kicking butt, you yeah. know, and it's so it doesn't make you feel as bad, but you can still see the inadequacies of the team, and it starts on the defensive side. So I was giving him my grievances with certain defensive players, and I'm mm-hmm. like, that guy is a bum. Yeah, that guy is terrible. He goes, well. Not that bad, you know. It's just where you lack leadership and this and that. And then he ended up going on to tell me that he was pretty good friends with this guy, and I kind of felt bad for trashing his buddy. But he texted me last night to mess around with me. You know this guy, by the way. Um, okay. He texted me last night to uh, to mess around with me. He says, "Oh, I'm gonna have this guy. This guy's gonna be calling you tomorrow to get your feedback." And I'm like, "I thought I took it seriously That's at first. I'm like, I don't need this hockey player calling me all mad, all, all pissed off, you know. And I got to now somehow figure out how to give him feedback on hockey. Like I told. Is he him, gonna call you? I doubt it. I think he was just messing with me. But you never know. I, if it's the friend I think you're talking about, it might happen. That's what I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm going to get a random call, and it's going to be like, oh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, that guy, remember? Yeah. <laughs> I won't na- I won't mention any names. There, there's worse defensemen on. Uh, like he's going to show up at your doorstep and, like, pull your shirt over the back of your head. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, we don't even have to drop the gloves. There's no yeah, gloves he's gonna right go now. Like this, start going like this. Shake his gloves off. So I'm going to formally introduce you here, right? Um, we are here today with Mike Lambricks, and I'll introduce you in a couple of ways. First of all, as the Broward Chapter President for the CCA, um, but also um, Florida native, Florida State Seminole, entrepreneurial business owner, Mike Lambricks. Incredibly, dashingly handsome, Mike Lambricks. Well, that's for I'm- those that aren't watching on YouTube and normally listening on Spotify. That's that's how I know you're lying when you got to that point. But. There you go. No, man, nothing but truth here today. So <laughs> thanks for coming to the show, man. So uh, thanks for having Connected me. Connected by Water, presented by Joey Cardi Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. If you're in the market for a truck, vehicle, Jeep, car, Chrysler, Hemi, those ones that go real fast, the Chargers and Challengers, go see the fine folks at Joey Cardi. Go see Dean. Uh, go see the Sandy one from the sales staff can help you. They're kind, courteous, and knowledgeable, and they want you to have a good time when you're purchasing your vehicle. I also want to give a plug and a shout-out uh, once again to our good friends at the FFMD, the Fishing for Muscular Dystrophy Crew. Um, they have their raffle up. We wrapped um, the truck, the golf cart, and the Everglades Bay Boat, um, and we like to think they look beautiful. And you can go on ffmdraffle.org and make your donation. Don't do it to get the truck. Do it to donate to the cause because they are fine people. And, um, you know, it's an amazing organization. It's run by amazing people, really, as I can't say that enough. So please support that organization. Um, And please support the CCA, right? And if you're in Broward like we are, support the Broward chapter. Go to meetings. Give your support, donate items, give money. They need it more now than ever, especially with COVID. Um, A big part of the platform are the events. um, And a lot of those are getting postponed because of obvious reasons. So um, unfortunately that is happening. 
Um, we are going to go blast and lead off with the fact that Mike texted me this morning a picture of the water behind the Southport Raw Bar close to 17th Street Causeway, and we had another sewage sewer line break today, right? Don't know the exact details of it yet, mm-hmm. but the pictures are pretty damning. Mm-hmm. Um and they look quite familiar for Fort Lauderdale residents or anybody that's been following what's been going on environmentally as it relates to the waterways in Fort Lauderdale. It's a familiar scene, unfortunately. Um, and it's just, you just wish it would stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like COVID. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, and, it, and it's behind a, a great restaurant. Uh, and, you know, Lord knows that the restaurants don't need any any more challenges during these times. So uh, I'm confident that they'll get it worked out and they'll get it fixed. But I think it just continues to lead to the fact that Florida has a lot of problems. This is not just a city of Fort Lauderdale issue. This is a Miami issue, as we've just seen in Biscayne. It's a big Miami issue right now. This is a, this is an issue all over Florida that we've heard things from the West coast from Tampa, um, We've heard things from Sarasota area. Uh, we've heard things all over the state, and so and 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 it's not even the coastal areas as much as it e- as it is the interior of Florida as well, north of the lake. Uh, in many cases, with the septic system, so Florida's got a lot of work to do to upgrade and replace infrastructure, so we can protect our precious waterways. Um, and that goes that that goes without saying that Fort Lauderdale has the same challenge ahead of it too, and they've expeditiously been replacing some main uh, sewer pipes in some of the areas of concern that have been breaking in the Rio Vista area, and this is obviously another one that they're going to have to do. And it's just a start. I mean, it's just it's just a start. So um, we hope that the city gets on it quickly and that. Uh, you know, we get to continuing to move forward to find ways to remediate uh, emergencies like this mm-hmm. and find ways to upgrade the infrastructure and find ways to improve the environment uh, structurally as far as finding ways to plant mangroves and, you know, and improving the quality of the actual water so we can support more oyster growth and get those natural filtration organisms back and mass like they used to be so we have a lot of work to do Mm -hmm. you mentioned um septic there briefly and i know i just want i'd be remiss not to um give a shout out to house representative chip lamarca for all the work that he's done in eliminating septic in broward um except for like one little area i think in lauderdale by the sea that still is kind of on septic but um you know, we bring up on the show, you know, you brought it up a few times about, you know, Florida being like a new frontier of America, um, you know, and how it was like one of the last developed states in the union. And, you know, the reasons why were, were pretty obvious, you know, it's a lot of swamplands. You didn't have the technology to kind of develop it down here. Um, mosquitoes, alligators, restless natives. Um, and the fact that, you know, conventional air conditioning wasn't really a thing um and 
in fact, you know, the guy that invented air conditioning as we know it today is a Floridian, of course, like for the entire world. He, a, a Floridian invented air conditioning. How could you live without it? Right. So I think what we're seeing now is somewhat of the, I don't want to say backlash, but just a result of infrastructure that just needs to be updated throughout the entire state because it was all developed in like mostly like the 50s and the right. 60s and right. the 70s and it's like well now it's starting to get old right and but budgets are like oh we don't need to put that money there we're going to put the money here because we're growing we're growing we're growing and we're expanding it's like well before you expand like and i'll quote chip again you know he's like well what are you going to do like when you have a house right and you need a new roof or you need to replace all the plumbing you can't see the plumbing so you're going to replace the roof right so that's kind of where we're at like all these little towns around the state need to kind of look at fort lauderdale and just be like hey take note this is going to happen to you too so i think jeff maggio has made that a big uh, a big statement yeah for his well, cause and his vision is right. it's not just a fort lauderdale thing or that we should learn from the large cities like fort lauderdale uh around the state and be more uh more proactive instead of reactive uh-huh. uh and so to your point the state has grown exponentially and we just have not planned and have not spent and invested in the infrastructure and to a politician, I can understand that a sewer pipe or water pipe may not be the sexiest of things to put in. Maybe right. a park would look better, or, uh-huh. or, uh, more development, allowing people to come here. So, um, you know, I could understand how it can be easy to oversee some of the more important things that lie under the surface. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's funny, I, I was reading a little bit last night. Uh, Brian Mast, he sits on the infrastructure uh-huh. committee, and he's like, well, it's not the sexiest of committees to sit on, but it's important. And so um, I think it's good that it's unfortunate, obviously, that all of the problems that we have, that they've come to light and that we have a plan better for them over the years. But this is a compounding effect of decades of uh-huh. development and pollution and things that have gone unchecked. And, you know, at some point we knew these issues would come to roost and they come home to roost and they have. Um, and I think that we have the right, we're, we're certainly getting the right people in place, the right politicians in place. I think DeSantis has done a phenomenal job very quickly mm-hmm. with understanding and jumping on these issues. That was part of his campaign and he's been following through on that. Uh, and, and I can tell you with certainty that I know that the city of Fort Lauderdale, the leadership does care a lot about the waterways and having people like Jeff Maggio and having his podcast and having people like you and your podcast and conservationists and activists and all these people uh, who care so much, having a voice out there and also guiding the politicians and the leaders to helping them understand the gravity of the issues that we have and having Jeff get these guys out on a boat, mm-hmm. I mean, is huge, you know, and the fact that these guys went and did that, I, I think it really opened their eyes quite a bit. And, you know, to their credit, they're not they're not Jeff Maggio's, they're not fishermen, they're not big boaters, you know. Um, I don't even know if any of them live on the water. Mm-hmm. 
it's not their fault. You know, we've just got to we've just got to do a better job and make sure that we're educating them and making them aware of how big of a deal this is. And I think that process and that philosophy is starting to shift a little bit, especially in Fort Lauderdale. Um, and it's a big topic. It's become very popular. Mm-hmm. You covered a lot of bases right there. Um, and <clears throat> the first one I want to kind of react to um, is Jeff. Jeff's done an amazing job mm-hmm. recently, especially um, with, with all the work that he's done. I mean, he's been on the show. Uh, he's a friend of the studio. Uh, we have a running joke about um, bulk trash. So he's upset that out in Fort Lauderdale, he gets it like once a month. Right. Right. But out in Coral Springs, we get it every week. <laughs> so every week. How much trash do you guys have? Well, so we went on a run where we were like, you know, like emptying a bunch of stuff out of the house. And we had like, you know, stuff from other people to the point where it's just like, like my sister in like one town over doesn't get it. So she'll put stuff on my curb. <laughs> so is this kind of, of an invitation that I can start? Sure, no stuff problem. You curb? want to make the drive out to the Everglades uh, and put put your trash on my front you'd yard? You'd be surprised That's how far people will go to put their trash on, you know. <laughs> Every Monday I'll, I'll take a picture of it and I text it to Jeff. <laughs> like it's, here you go. It's Sunday night. It's like Sunday night again. Right? So anyway, so he then he made a video of his latest heap and send it to me. So. That's one thing. If there's something that, that irks or bothers Jeff in the least bit, you know there could be a podcast or a video right. or exactly. something. He's going live about it. Something's going to happen. Totally. So <laughs> shout out to uh, Jeff Maggio yeah. um, for the Lunker Dog uh, podcast. So um, Phenomenal it's guy. definitely, um, I don't know if I want to call it like a sister podcast or a brother podcast, but we do work together and, you yeah. know what I mean? Try to, yeah. we have, we have the same goal. So we are kind of like locked yeah. in together. And, now, stuff and, like that. and to your point, he's been a, he's been a great CCA supporter. He mm-hmm. donates trips. Uh, you know, he gets involved. He's very generous with the, uh, with the organization. You know, he gets behind the things that we're doing, um, the advocacy and some of the habitat work and whatnot. He's just, uh, he's been a great supporter. So it really yep. helps organizations like CCA having uh, people with a voice like Jeff Right. Uh, and yourself, obviously, behind behind it. Yeah, so the, it was cool because when he came on the episode, that's when we really started getting into that whole thing about how the other towns are going to, you know, kind of see this happening to them. So, you know, and we're, you know, we're going to be working with Jeff on, on some of these new initiatives, too. So we're excited about that. Um, the other thing I wanted to kind of respond to, too, that you brought up was um, obviously Ron DeSantis because we talk about him on the show, like, you know, I want to get a, probably get, I should probably get a Ron DeSantis bobblehead on the Popular table guy. or something <laughs> yeah. at some point. Popular guy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Brian Mast has done an outstanding job um, since he came into office uh, with all the work that he's done, um, you know, with the clean water initiatives, um, you know, the stuff he's done with captains for clean water um, and just Lake Okeechobee initiatives and Everglades initiatives. Um, and recently he had a... Um, a bill with the Army Corps of Engineers, mm-hmm. um, which can you elaborate on some of the stuff that was that happened there? He's got a bill out there uh, that's still pending vote, and essentially what it does is it will restrict the Army Corps from uh, discharging toxic water that's above a certain measurement um, of toxicity into the estuary. So mm-hmm. basically. You know, instead of that water going to the estuaries, it has to either sit or they've got to move it south through the glades. And so with Florida, the the natural flow of water all along has always been south through the Everglades, into the Everglades National Park, through Florida Bay. Uh-huh. And with all the development, Army Corps started changing that around. And now we've had this, we have this, you know, um, 
you know, really dynamic infrastructure system of drainage because we've got to figure out a way to move water around in all these developments like Royal Springs um, that used to be Everglades, you know, and used to be marshland. And now we've got to figure out how to route that water and push it places and move it so we don't flood our communities. And so, um, you know, we obviously can continue with development. So it's been a real challenge. um, And I think that guys like Brian Mast have been phenomenal leaders in Mm -hmm. helping to not only draft legislation, but also to help people understand how important and help government understand how important it is to move water and direct water in the places that it should be going because a lot of that water is toxic and um, when directed to the wrong place can just do horrible things with algae blooms and are very, very destructive. And so, I mean, again, we saw an example of that uh, in Biscayne Bay is when you have that excess level of nutrient how it can really just rob all of the dissolved oxygen out of the water. And just like us as humans, if we don't have oxygen, we can't breathe. Fish breathe oxygen essentially, but it's dissolved within the water. Mm -hmm. So without that, they're not living. Um, You know, the fact that we saw, I saw pictures of lobsters floating uh, really says a lot because they're pretty hardy. They can can go a long time without oxygen. Right. Um, So that just goes to show. They survive a nuclear war, right? Yeah. I mean, that's. Cockroaches, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, it, it was just, yeah, it was really just eye-opening to see, to to see that happen. And again, it's it's these are problems that have happened time and time again. And it's a lot of it is the way and where water is flowing and what's in the water. And if we're restricting this water from getting to places when it's at a toxic level, mm-hmm. we're doing a lot of good. But we've also got to figure out ways to clean this water because. A lot of time you could flush it, but if it gets flushed into areas, I mean, it'll just go on a killing spree and it can kill anything on its way to wherever it's going. I mean, even, you know, the glades are naturally a, a naturally a system to filter water. Right. It's one big um, filter. But, you know, water can still get past the glades and still get into areas and estuaries and communities that, you know, the glades won't do a perfect job of cleaning it up and filtering it. But that's essentially what, what they are. I mean, the glades are not designed to handle... Uh, the amount of fertilizers that are in it and other excess nutrients that come from sewage, uh, come from, you know, alkalinity from uh, construction, from concrete. I mean, there's all sorts of runoff. Yeah, exactly. So there's all sorts of things that naturally, I mean, it's not equipped to, to, to really handle. So we've got to, as, uh, as humans, as, you know, as, as folks that are developing, we've got to come up with solutions to be able to neutralize the effects that we're putting on the environment as humans. Mm-hmm. And you know, another thing too, like you, you think about like small things that people can do. Um, one of the things too is if, if you know, you're going to redo your driveway, redo it as pavers. Yep. Cause that's that the water goes into the ground at that point and it doesn't run down your driveway and go into the street and go into your gutter and run off into the, into the waterways. Right. Yep. It's just things like that. And it's, it's, it's developers figuring out a way to not run, to not wash concrete down the storm drains. We know mm-hmm. the storm drains, especially in Fort Lauderdale and other coastal communities, they drain into the waterways and super toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen just so many instances of contractors and, and landscapers blowing grass into the water, dumping coconuts, dumping, you know, any kind of vegetation, which when it dies, 
it's full of nutrient, it releases that, it becomes toxic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't realize that we can just dump it in the water and it goes away. It's not how it works. So I know that the city of Fort Lauderdale is working, you know, has an ordinance out there to restrict or eliminate um, fertilizing during the summer season when it's the most rainy, when you have the most runoff. It's a start, mm-hmm. but it's all about this philosophy that we've got to change in people that you can't just dump whatever you want into the water. You have to really think twice about what you're doing when you're working around the water, no matter what it is. And so, I mean, and, you know, you go out to the sandbar and look at the people throwing beer bottles and water bottles and all the plastic that's floating around. Plastic's a huge issue. Mylar, balloon, mylar, mylar balloons, mylar balloons, balloons are a huge issue. Mm-hmm. You have a birthday party, just, I'm sorry if you're in the mylar balloon industry, but, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to support it. Yeah, you got to. I mean, they, those got to go away because mm-hmm. it's just like you, you talk to the airboat guys that are in the glades all the time. All they do is pick up balloons. I mean, I hunt in the glades. We duck hunt out there, and you see them all the time. Mm-hmm. And people just release them. They go up in the air, and they're, oh, well, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Just right. like everything else, we put it in the water, in the air, and whatever. It's out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Not my problem anymore. Um, and it's just a philosophy. Again, people come here from different parts of the country. Uh, and they don't respect the resource. And so it's, again, like I, I'll, I'll keep and, and really the person who introduced me to this word and this concept, I mean, it made so much sense was Jeff. And Jeff always spoke about, always continues to speak about philosophy mm-hmm. and how we're thinking about things. And it's an advocacy effort. It's an education effort. And I don't think we'll ever be perfect. But again, as long as we continue to get more people to talk about these things, get more people to think about these things, I think we can make a big difference. But on the other side of it, you know, we're also going to have to continue to figure out ways to uh, to manually clean the waters as well, because I don't know if it'll ever be perfect where you're ever, you know, we're... It's never going to be perfect. We're yeah. human. Exactly. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's never going to be perfect. And, you know, I, I always have to make it clear in the show where we, whenever we talk about environmental issues, it's like we're not asking people to become environmentalist, which I think the term has been bastardized over right. the years. It's just like it's it's incorrectly being represented at the moment, right? Like you can be an environmentalist just in mindset, like you're saying in philosophy, just by taking personal responsibility for yourself and whether you want to call it a carbon footprint or whatever you're leaving behind, whether it's too much plastic or mylar balloons or whatever, just take a little bit more personal responsibility. Be mindful of the fact that you're living a state that's connected by water, right? And completely. And wherever you put on the ground, you can count on the fact that that's going into the water. Like eventually it will become runoff and, and find its mm-hmm. way there. Like yep. water always find its way. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So what we are as conservationists, right. We're, we're really trying to establish solid practices and principles for, you know, just taking care of your land and, you know, for, for now and for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it going to be perfect? Absolutely not. You know, we're still going to have to install programs and initiatives to keep things clean. But, you know, we can really just be mindful of the fact that, you know, look around you and recognize where you live, please. Exactly. This is not your typical state. And you know how much that cost? It's free. Right. It's free. So it doesn't cost, it's not going to cost you any more in taxes. There's not going to be any surcharges or fines or anything for you just to do the right thing and just think twice about what you're doing before you do it. Um, and again, I think it's education. People just don't really know that blowing grass into the canal. Mm-hmm can have some significant ramifications. So, um, Right, they think natural resource to natural yeah, resource, and yeah. it's not the case. Yeah, what can it hurt, right? Right. 
Right, exactly. And, you know, another thing too is, is the fact that, you know, we're, we're, we're searching for balance, not extremism. Exactly. Like, and like, that's got to be cleared up too. It's right. like, you know. Right. I mean, people look at CCA and they're like, oh, they're, you know, they're tree huggers, you know, these, they don't want, they don't kill any fish, you know, like you can't, you can't catch any fish, you can't touch any fish, you know, and it's like, that's, that couldn't actually be the furthest, that, that's like the furthest thing away essentially from what CCA is. Right. We're, we're about harvesting the resource in a smart, wise, manageable way to where, you know, and also defending our right to do it legislatively. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't realize that. And I know like Captains for Clean Water, for example, they do a ton of advocacy work. Um, and, and, and there's always more that's needed. Mm-hmm. And so having organizations like that, having organizations like CCA, you know, it, 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 it's so important. And it doesn't matter, in my opinion, you know, everybody, we all have our um, you know, our, our, our different philosophies and our different uh, ways of doing things. And so to me, it doesn't matter what organization you support, but I think what irks me the most and what drives me the craziest is watching people on Facebook and social media and all they seem to do is post, 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 and they complain and they trash the politicians and they'll trash the, or- the conservation organizations and they'll trash just about anybody that they can but that'll be the last person that you'll ever see out doing something in the community um, or donating to an organization or joining an organization, which if you want to volunteer for anything, by the way, that doesn't cost you a cent of your money to mm-hmm. volunteer. It costs you your time, which can be argued as money. Okay. But right. at the same time, there's no, you know, there's no hard cost to it. So mm-hmm it would be just great to see more people doing things instead of talking about them because the more we talk about them, the less gets done. And these organizations, they don't, you know, the other thing is too, they don't, they're not, they don't run on hopes and dreams. I mean, they also run on, they also, they, they, they run on finances. They, you know, people have to support them. If you cannot give your time and certainly try to give some money to help represent the organization that represents you. Um, and so that's my, that's my biggest thing with people is just, you know, I think that there, there's more that everybody can do. And, you know, CCA only has so much power as an organization. We're 20,000 members. Mm-hmm. We could be 30,000 members, 50,000 members. We could be a hundred thousand members, but that's still not the power of a million people in Florida or 2 million people mm-hmm. or whatever that number is that we can get to of people that are out there doing these things and advocating and talking about it. Um, I, I think can just make such a difference. Yeah. We definitely believe in the organization. We've been involved with it. I don't even know how long at this point I've probably been doing stuff with the CCA maybe for like the past like eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always, um, it's always, like whenever you go to a banquet, there's always education, you know, being spoken about. Um, there's always, you know, money being raised, obviously. Um, but they're showing you where the money's going uh, and the work that the organization is doing, which I think is very important mm-hmm. rather than just being, I don't want to call out any names from any other, you know, organizations, but there are some organizations, some high level organizations out there that people just blindly donate to. Mm-hmm. Um, that they, cause I got a, a name associated with a cause and they just be like, all right, there you go. But you don't really know necessarily where that money's going to, but I believe CCA is one of those organizations, um, that, you know, are coming up with programs and doing things and putting the money to use. 
Um, yeah. So one of the programs that uh, we started too, or you started, um, was just to discover or do some more investigation on the oyster research mm-hmm. uh, in our local area, uh, which I think is highly important. Um, they have their red, um, their their star program, uh, which is a very cool program, and there's there's a give back to members on that one too. So it is an organization where it's got community involvement. So it's outstanding. Mm-hmm. You know, and please support the CCA. Is my point. Yeah, I mean, and and you hit the nail on the head. Is that the money that people donate? I mean, there is physical proof of where that's going and what that's doing. I mean, between the habitat projects that the state does, for example, you know, since 2010, CCA leveraged, basically they took 800,000 since 2010, they took 800,000 of their own money, which comes from, you guessed it, people like you, mm-hmm. people like myself that donate, other folks that donate. Um, they took that 800,000 and they leveraged it to 4.8 million of habitat projects around the state. So CCA invested 800,000 and basically by matches and other donations, we've been able to use that to create 4.8 million. Mm-hmm. I'm an investment advisor for a living and, you know, to make 4.8 million off 800,000 amount of time, that's a pretty good return. Right. Um, and it's a well-managed organization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and they just do the right thing. Our, our, our habitat uh, director, Frank Guidas has just been, he's been, he's worked tirelessly. I don't know how the guy does it. And, uh, and the, you know, the, the amount of work that they've done in the habitat side, has just been phenomenal between the oyster recycling program, the redfish releases. I mean, it's not necessarily habitat, but restocking uh-huh. fish populations with Duke energy. Um, you know, we did the Indian river lagoon clam project with Blair Wiggins. That was a really, really big deal. Um, you know, the Fort Lauderdale oyster study is another one. You know, South Palm is about to put a uh, about to deploy a, a uh, an artificial reef of their own. Um, Peter Agerty is a great guy over there. They've you know Kaivera, they've done just a phenomenal job in South uh, in South Palm in that chapter. Um, I'm helping them out with that project, and then obviously in Broward, we've done the John Michael Baker Memorial Reef. We've done three phases of that. So um, it just you know I, I think that with these organizations, my philosophy has always been that showing people and displaying to people not only on the advocacy side and where their money is going, but also doing projects in their own backyard. I don't think there's any better way of, of, of showcasing what you do as an organization than leveraging your assets and your funding and doing projects and just doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of things happen behind the scenes that people don't see again. We have, you know, we have advocacy that goes on in Tallahassee on a daily basis. We have full-time staff for that. Um, but those are the things that the intangibles, the things that you don't see. So, um, you know, I personally, I'm one of the vice presidents for CCA Florida. Uh, I'm purely a volunteer. I'm on the management committee as well. And um, we are the ones that make the decisions for how money gets allocated within the organization, how things get spent. So as a volunteer, which I give my own money and my own time to, and a lot of it, um, I get to see how, and I get to be in charge of how that gets deployed. And so I, I feel like there's no better way to really understand an organization and to feel good about an organization than to see firsthand behind the scenes how the, you know, how, how the money gets spent. And I can tell you unequivocally that CCA is extremely conscious of the way that they spend money and they leverage every cent that they can to the hill to make it make the most sense for, for, for the organization and for the environment. Um, and I would tell you the other thing is to the employees that are hired – by CCA 
are not in it for the money. Mm-hmm. You know, they could go out and and they work very hard and they work their tails they travel off. a lot. They go all over to do these events. They, they work yeah. their tails off. I know that from first hand oh from working with them because those are normally the people that I work with when I get involved in it's yeah. from doing the featured artist stuff. Yeah, you know, but they I, I know for a fact they work very hard and getting all that together. And the passion they have mm-hmm. uh, for what they do is just it's there's no way to describe it. Yeah. Um, and it just, you know, when I got involved with Broward, I was like, okay, let's see what this organization is all about. And I got a little bit further in. I'm like, okay, I think we can, you know, there's, there's, we have some visions. We, we, we can do things here in Broward. And then I got a little bit more involved. And the, the more you do and the more you get involved, I feel like the more you really begin to appreciate what the organization is and what they do and just, just how phenomenal the culture is within the organization. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, you know, having uh, connected by water and yourself, you know, supporting this organization um is uh, is a big deal for us and we really appreciate it yeah no i mean of course i mean it's it's our pleasure and honor to do so all the things you mentioned um are what really makes the cca a sustainable organization too um which you know putting money in the right places and putting together these programs and putting together these events um really kind of keeps the wheels turning because it's not just about that blanket term raising awareness, right? Which a lot of 501c3s or organizations will just really just right. hang their hat on that term. You know, if you don't take action, you know, at the end of the day, then really you're just telling a bunch of people about what they should be doing. Exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. so and that's one of the things I admire about the organization. Um, one of the many things. So I wanted to bring up a topic with you, though. Um, and this is, and I'm not asking for CCA stance, right? So I don't, I don't want to, you know, have anyone have to put their foot in their mouth or whatever like that. But we've had um, on the show, we, we always have, you know, Art Sapp, Captain Art Sapp and, and uh, Captain Skip Dana on the show all the time. They're regulars on the show. Highest of quality people, too. We're, uh, we're honored to have them we're really um, be so involved with Connected by Water. Um, but one of the recent topics that we've been talking about a lot um, is sharking. And we have brought in Patrick Price a couple weeks ago from Jensen Beach, who is the captain of the Daymaker Charters. Uh, he started that Facebook organization, Let's Tax the Tax Man. Um, it's an ongoing topic on the show. It's not just like we're going to do one episode on it and then drop it. Right? It's like we're on, you know, we're, we talked, John and I talked about this morning about some other projects we're going to be doing um, to promote some of the initiatives and some of the organizations, which I, not going to mention yet because, you know, bridges haven't been crossed on it yet, but there have been talks with other organizations that they're in full support of um, what we got going on with that. It comes down to what I said earlier about we're, we're searching for balance. I just want to kind of make a clear statement that we're not asking people to kill all the sharks and get rid of them so we can catch our fish. But, you know, there are certain things happening that we're, you know, under investigation by us. Um, to, um, you know, trying to quell that issue. So, I mean, you've had some experience with some sharking issues, right? Yeah. I mean, we were just looking at that immaculate, gorgeous, and I don't even know how it's not done yet, Wahoo painting that you've got going. And uh, it just reminds me of all the, all the Wahoo fishing we've done over the last eight, nine years probably in the Bahamas, all over the Bahamas. And, you know, when the, when the fish get real schooled up and how, uh, how we're constantly – constantly getting sharked um and unfortunately hooking some of these huge tigers and bull sharks that are eating these wahoos um 
and and they're these sharks they're they're relentless it's amazing you you just stop you hook up and you stop and as soon as you stop the boat uh there's sharks already at the transom mm-hmm. i mean it's unbelievable i've never I, it's just it seems to get worse every year it's something that we talk about all the time i think as fishermen we talk about it amongst each other about the sharks and how the sharks have been such a problem uh i think the conversation only continues to increase year by year i mean mm-hmm. i don't have any scientific evidence or data of what's sure. going on with the sharks but anecdotally you talk to enough people and you know that there's a problem uh and uh so I, you know like i said that there, there could be a number of different reasons for it um but i you know it's certainly it's certainly a problem i, I think something needs to be done about it because i don't know if we have any increase in fishermen or increase in fish populations or anything that that's making the sharks act differently um I think it's definitely worth investigating, and it seems to me, again, you know, from my travels and my experiences, that there are more sharks than there have ever been uh, before, especially in the Bahamas, and you can't kill sharks over there. Mm-hmm. So there's no real way to keep that population in check. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been hearing now. It seems more and more uh, we're hearing people get bit over in the Bahamas, you know, mm-hmm. when they're free diving. Um, you know, well, just, they're starting to hear the rubber band get pulled back I, I don't and they, even they're think arching it's their backs and they're like oh that sounds like food to me i think it's the boat stopping the boat i, I mean yep. i i think it's like even before somebody even gets in the water yeah. mm-hmm. i mean they can hear you know I, i've you watch any of the national geographic shows or shark week or anything like that i mean you, you learn a little bit about how uh sensitive their sensory receptors are and how far away things can be and they know that they're there and it's like yeah you don't see them but they're around and um it, it i mean it, i i I, I certainly won't be the first to state it, but it's it's a it's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. Yeah, some some of the all right. So I'm not pointing fingers, really, but I kind of am. But not really pointing fingers, though, because I mean I don't have like unequivocal proof of this. But some of the people that have been brought up um, are a lot of these dive tourists, mm-hmm. the shark dive tourists, um, and you know they'll make their noises and hear their props and go to the same spots every time. And the sharks are trained to be in these areas. Yep. Um, you, and they're not a hundred percent to blame. Uh, we love our dive community. So I'm not saying that, you know, I want you to stop doing what you're doing. It's just that things need to be analyzed. Like, is this the reason why? Because, right. you, and also there's been some recent regulations of some sharks that, um, used to, used to be able to catch that, you know, you're not able to catch. And some of the regulations that have been put on commercial fishermen, um, are now, you know, we're seeing the problems that are arising from not regulating um you know some of that you mm-hmm. know so you know tbd on a lot of the stuff that we're doing here sure. at connected by water uh, with the taxman group and uh, with other organizations um and you know so that's just it, uh, it's an ongoing thing it's right something now. absolutely worth exploring i think because of the attention it's getting now and what we've and everybody talking about it and now finally it's you could you could think of it it's somewhat formalized with a with a group now that's you know that's yeah. on facebook and there's you know there's there's active conversation about it in you know in that setting um i would hope that we can figure out in a way a way to establish some science behind it and and understand better about those behaviors it knowing what we know about sharks i mean they're not they're they're pretty they're pretty sharp animals you know they uh I could certainly see that, that 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 case could be made for 
um, for those behaviors being created by divers, by us feeding them. And it's like the same, it's almost the same thing as like why you shouldn't feed alligators. Mm -hmm. Because right. when alligators get comfortable around people, they come around more than somebody's liable to get bit. Yep. Uh, and yeah, you see those videos of alligators coming up into people's homes and they're looking for food, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's like for the same reason. You shouldn't be feeding, you shouldn't be yeah, feeding well, the alligators. Great. Yeah, <laughs> you shouldn't be feeding, probably shouldn't be feeding the sharks. And, you know, the other thing is too is that they're sharks, they're animals. They, you know, they... I don't know if they can make that connection between food and people and, and have that sensitivity to know that you can't bite the, literally bite the hand that feeds yep. you. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, knowing that hooked fish equates to, uh, you know, equates to a free meal um, and, and being concentrated in these areas. And so I, I watched something on TV a while ago that was a study about uh, yellowfin tuna and sharks and basically how, you know, I think this was like around the Galapagos, but how the, uh, you know, how the sharks keyed in so quickly to a hooked tuna because they can't catch them on their own, essentially. They really can't. Right. They're not fast enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the only real way to do that is by predating on, you know, on, a, on an injured fish, on a sick fish, on a hooked fish. Um, but, you know, I, I certainly think the conversation is worth, is worth having um, and further investigation needs to be had to determine a little bit more and and make some legislative changes if that's possible or some regulatory changes on how we manage that population because uh, uh, it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, this, if it wasn't happening to everybody, which it is, yeah, you know what I mean, we, we, we probably wouldn't really be talking about it. Right. Like, um, you know, and also, too, you know, what's the point of putting regulations on pelagic species mm -hmm. if, like, seven out of every tuna you're going to bring up are getting bit in half? Right. Which it's that bad. Yeah. Right. No, it doesn't happen every day, but there are days like that. You know what I mean? I just uh, went fishing. I just brought the family down to fish in the back country down in the Keys this past mm -hmm. weekend. Right. Um, you know, first of all, you talked about simple things you can do for a little snapper. Maybe you don't grab them. Maybe use a D hooker. Right. Right. If you don't have to grab a fish, don't grab a fish. Right. You know what I mean? And you could just D hook that thing off and it goes off in its merry way. Right. But what I want to talk about was with Charles hotel who's going to be on the show in a couple of weeks um took a run with nick stanzik to go fishing for cabrera snapper mm -hmm. and they had a highly successful trip hooking them right Not but i landing. think yeah i uh -oh. think i think out of like <laughs> that's a key like, word hooking. i think <laughs> i think well i'll tell you i think out of like 15 of them they were only they were only able to bring like three in the boat crazy because the rest of them were getting sharked that can't be good for the sustainability of the, for of the, of the species too you know yeah so, like let's think of it from the other side if you know if again as fishermen we have the right to go out and fish catch fish that we want we feel the species of whatever it would be kubera snappers mangrove snappers mutton snappers is a good healthy population and we can continue fishing it with limits well if you know half of them are getting taxed by the tax man um then that means that we have to hook more fish and catch more fish to get our limit, and thus right. more fish are getting killed. Correct. So that's another way to look at it uh, from from that perspective. Yeah, so that's, I think, ultimately what everyone's kind of getting at in the fishing industry. It's like we're wasting here, mm -hmm. you know? But I don't know, man. So, I, again, I'm not trying to put CCA in the spot with any of that I, stuff. Like you know, they're going to have their own stance on it, or maybe they won't even have a stance on it, but, you know. You know, when people come and talk to me about these things, I mean, this is what we need to be having these conversations and I can bring it back to CCA and find out if we can take a stance or if we have an opinion mm -hmm. uh, on that. Because, again, I think people look to these organizations uh, for their expertise to 
uh, provide, you know, provide some feedback and an opinion. And obviously our members want to be represented as well. And mm-hmm. many of our members, I'm sure, are, we're all having that same conversation. So uh, it's something that I'll bring back to the organization and see if, uh, see if there's, uh, see what their thoughts are. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, you bring up the reefs, mm-hmm. the artificial reefs. Um, I want to really kind of get into that with you a little bit, because I know you do a ton of work on, on that level. Um, and also there's other projects too going on that our good friend Bruce Marks has going on with the, the bug shoal yep. and, and all that. Yep. And uh, they've made a ton of progress on that. And um, I know, you know, we're asking for a CCA financing today, um, but also they could also use uh, financing to see the rest of that project. Um, see through. So, um, but it's all for a common goal. So that's why I'm kind of bringing right. it up. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, so he's got great work there. You guys have great work up here in this way. Um, take me through how you start one of these projects, if you could, if you want to. With a vision, um, with a dream, you know, and that's really all it is. I think if you have a vision and it's a realistic vision, um, you can do it pretty much, you know, um, as long as you're obviously conforming to the regulatory standards that are set by DERM, you know, FDEP, Army Corps, et cetera. These are all, these are all uh, regulatory bodies that we have to deal with uh, to be able to deploy an artificial reef. Mm-hmm. What we're lucky with is in, in Broward County, we have, there is a division that specifically works with artificial reefs. And so they've acquired a permit that's a just a, it's a giant box basically off of Fort Lauderdale that has been pre-permitted by Army Corps, FDEP, DERM. Um, and so we are able to work within that huge box under the guidance um, of Broward County. Mm-hmm. And so Broward County has just done a phenomenal job with us. Um, you know, so basically to answer your question, you start with what you want to do you got to figure out a budget because money's everything, as we know. Um, you know, I've been seeing Bruce just do a phenomenal job raising, you know, raising money for what he's doing down there. CCA has contributed to his efforts as well down there, mm-hmm. um, and we continue to support what he's doing. But you know, you got if you don't have money, you're, you know, you got to go find it. Yeah. So either you're going to look for a grant, which is what South Palm CCA South Palm has done. Um, what CCA has done basically all over Florida is look for grants. There's a lot of there's there's things a lot of things that can be applied for out there. If you can raise the money privately, you can do it that way. Um, but basically, once you figure out what your budget is and what you figure out what, what you want to do, um, you know whether that be a shipwreck or whether that be uh, limestone boulder, or you want to do concrete modules, which is what we did. Um, you know, we we had uh, a bunch of concrete culvert boxes and culvert piping donated by a concrete company here that were things that didn't work out or were never delivered or you know. Um, and so those were donated to us. And then basically we put together logi- the logistics of how they get deployed, working with the environmental and regulatory authorities, um, figuring out the logistics of delivery. And, you know, once you, once you deliver the, the concrete, where it's going to go, how it's going to get on the ship, you have to, you know, you have to hire a crane to be able to show up and, uh, and lift those items onto the ship. Ship's got to leave the dock. You have to have divers court. We coordinate with industrial divers, um, you know, who have communications underwater. And as these things are being dropped uh, through the water column, you have divers on the bottom to unhook it. They also report back to the ship to make moves in certain areas. So what we have in Broward um, is a very unique and sophisticated vessel um, that we use in the 
in the Go America, the Geist offshore ship. And uh, basically, it's what's uh, it's a ship that's called that has a system called DP uh, DP one system, which is dynamic positioning. Mm-hmm. And so they use gyros, they use GPS and compass, and you know all of these different uh, items to be able and and uh, and thrusters to be able to position the ship, comp- you know, with a computer on the most specific uh, GPS coordinate that you can essentially apply to it within feet. Mm-hmm. This thing can position and drop and so we're putting every module specifically strategically in certain places and so they're not touching each other they're just far enough away from each other so once we get that module near the bottom the divers say you know move west three feet and we can literally jog wow, west. Is that precise oh, it's very precise wow very very precise and so it takes it takes into account the current and everything and it takes into account the current wind um we've deployed that's pretty cool. yeah we've deployed up uh we've deployed in two to four foot seas with a pretty heavy north current mm-hmm. um anything rougher than that probably just gets a little bit too dicey right but the ship's 150 feet in fact it's the same type of ship that was used in the same company that recovered bob and doug from spacex in the capsule so I don't oh, know if really? you were watching. So yeah. if you were watching the recovery well, of the, the boats, capsule, like the, that shouldn't have been there. Right. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was a whole other thing. I, I can't believe that happened. That's a whole other discussion. Yeah. So I cannot believe that happened. Um, but basically, that same exact ship. It was a deep. It was a dynamic positioning DP one ship, um, operated and owned by Geis Offshore, and with some of the same crew that we use here in Broward and Fort Lauderdale, uh, recovered the capsule. And then they put it on. They put it on the deck, and they have this whole system. They have a, you know, that they do that work with SpaceX. So it's it's highly specialized work. Um, we're really lucky to have them. They do, you know, they do work for the Navy here, um, and they also do other work with submarines. You know, they do submarine deployments in uh, and uh, testing those submarines mm-hmm. on the private side. Um, Brownies Global Logistics does a lot. They have, you know, th- with their sub program. So. Um, so they do a lot of work here, and so we're able to, to – we're lucky to have a relationship with them because we can basically grab an off day that they have that they're just sitting at the dock, and we can grab them and, and be able to utilize that ship for that. And it's it's funny, industrial divers, you know, they called it a, an artificial reef-making machine. Uh-huh. So normally what you would do is you would use a barge and a crane, and that barge they had – you know, they have uh, apex anch- – uh, I'm sorry, helix, uh, helix anchoring systems – and, you know, they have excavators or equipment on there, and then they drop it down that way um, while they're anchored. And so sometimes they have to adjust anchorage and things like that. But this ship can do it all on the fly without having to be anchored. So it's a really, really nice tool that we're able to use. Um, and, and so, like, to your point, again, is, like, how this whole process goes. I mean, it takes, you know, it probably takes a full month or two to kind of work all the logistics out and get everything handled and then, you know, again, depending on what you want to do, there's different things. Again, if you wanted to sink a ship, like a ship to sink is way more expensive than putting concrete down. Concrete, essentially, if it's clean, mm-hmm. it's already prepped. There's not there's not anything that really needs to be done. A ship, you can go and buy a ship or one get a ship donated, but that whole ship has to be stripped to the bone. I mean, it has to be stripped perfectly. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, generally those projects are a minimum of like $150,000. They're, they're very, very expensive with a, with a you know, dynamic boulder concrete you know job you're looking at probably less than a third of the cost Mm -hmm. so you can get a lot more done um with less money but ships are exciting and fun too so just again a big boom and explosion yeah it just it just comes down to what your budget is and what you want to do um uh, but there's ways to you know there's there's ways to do it 
relatively inexpensively. I think people are surprised by by how inexpensively we can do it. And we've gotten really good in Broward at doing it. And, and you know, the uh, the Go America, you know, this is they weren't doing any of this work beforehand. And now all of a sudden, you know, they're getting really good at it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. It really has been a lot of fun. And we're, yeah. and we're using that same ship to do a deployment in South Palm as well when they do theirs. So it's great to have that. That ship we can use through the Tri-County area, probably even further north. Um, you know, cruises at 10 knots, you know, so uh-huh. it, it's pretty mobile. It's very efficient. So we're really lucky to have them. The One of the reasons I really wanted you to go through all that stuff is to just kind of like put your money where your mouth is, or put your mouth where your money is kind of thing. And just like tell people that's why you need money. You know what I mean? Because none of that happens, you know, without people getting paid or yeah. you know, equipment getting paid for, or, you yeah. know what I mean? People's time is money. And, you know, this is where, this is where the money goes right. if you're going to do a project like that. You know, so it's like that's what I'm getting at before with, like, you know, action, not just raising awareness, you right. know, and right. all these things. You just went granularly telling us about all the different aspects of a project like that. That was so at a pretty high level, too. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Exactly. You're not going to get into, like, you know, all the yeah. dicey, dicey, yeah. dicey stuff. But, you know, but it's you have to talk at the high level about it anyway for anyone to kind of understand really right. clearly what right. you're talking about. Because um, I'm sure you could get in the scientific aspects that are just, you know, or, or mechanical aspects or engineering aspects that'll just, you know. I knew nothing about it beforehand and after doing a few of them, you know, I'm a finance guy. Like, I'm not an engineer. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a, I'm certainly not a marine biologist. Yeah, but when you got to pay for everything, you want to know what you're paying for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? And, you know, when it comes to being hands-on, like, that's, I, I, I have to be there. I have to be, I need to know everything that's going on because again, you know, I'm representing the funding that organizations are donating to us, like the John Michael Baker foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm representing CCA. We got to make sure that the job is done right. And that we understand everything that's going into the job. And we're really lucky. Again, our contractors that we work with are phenomenal. They, um, you know, they, they give us pricing considerations because of, uh, because of the organization. They love CCA in general. So, uh, they're not also the contractors are also not in it for the you know all in it for the money they're right. in it because they also want to do the right thing so well um, that's something even though people are getting paid that's a good point to bring up because they're getting basically their time covered right you know that or like just getting base coverage just to be right. like okay just so everything's kind of paid for on our end right. we'll gladly right. support the organization right. so even though money is going to individual people it's still not what yeah. they should be taking right. for no, a job not, like that. Not at all. I mean, yeah. you know, you'd think about a 150 foot, uh, subs, uh, you know, uh, that a supply, not a supply vessel, but, a you know, a, um, a, uh, deployment vessel essentially, um, with the technology that that vessel has and, you know, the size and scope of it, the fuel burn and the oil and the, you know, um, all the things that go into it. I mean, we all know how much it is just to maintain a 20 foot or a 25 foot boat. Mm-hmm. I mean, now think uh-huh. about a 150 foot boat. So these things are massively expensive to run and to operate. And, um, you know, the fact that they're able to, uh, to, to be flexible with us is really, really helpful. Um, but that, that doesn't mean that it's free, you know, right. that, that, that means that they help us a little bit. Yeah. But and gas still costs money. Oh my gosh. Little, yeah. 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 Right. So, uh, you know, so we're, there's just so, there's just so much that go into it, and when you add up all these pieces, the divers also cost a big chunk of that. Um, that's really really specialized work. Uh, they get they help us out a little bit too. They've been wonderful. So there's so many different um, parties involved, and there's so many different things that are going on to coordinate 
and to get schedules right and worry about the weather. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then also with the family that donates money, you want them to be a part of it too. Right. So you got to figure out how to get them to be, you know, th- around their schedule as well. So uh, it's challenging. But again, you know, I'm a volunteer. Mm-hmm. I think grassroots, CCA is a grassroots organization. Right. CCA started purely grassroots, meaning that it was just, people that were going out there doing things. It's like our oyster study, you know, it was, it was me and a couple other folks that were going home, you know, house to house, you know, by pe- people that called us and wanted to get involved. And, you know, we went house to house putting these oyster catches in. I went, I went for probably five weeks every day after I left the office, spent an hour, probably two hours, you know, doing, uh, taking observations, measurements, um, you know, putting these oyster catchers in the water, talking to the homeowners, helping people understand why we're doing it and, and how it's working and what to expect from it. Um, and, you know, CCA is not going to send a paid employee down from the state to come and do it because that's not what they do. Mm-hmm. See, it's a we have CCA is, was built on volunteering. It's built on people donating either money or it's donating products or services Um you know, and so people always ask, you know, when things out, where's CCA? Where's the, where are the conservationists? You know, okay, well, where are you? Right. What are you doing? And I said this, I've, I, I brought this up before. Where are you? I mean, I've, I, we, you know, people are always, it's amazing because people are always offering to volunteer. Hey, let me know what I can do. You know, would love to do. And you shoot me an email. Hey, we could use some help here. Well, you know, I don't really have the time, but you should do this. You know, right. you should do whatever this project is. Oh, that sounds like a great idea, Dennis. Yeah. You want to be the leader of that? Pro- oh, well, I don't have the time. I don't really have the time, Mike. I'm sorry. Like, so, uh, you yes, know, because it's a community goal. Yeah. It's really what it comes down yeah. to. Yeah. So right. it, it just is, the, it's, it's about the, it's about the manpower. It's about every single person putting in something. It doesn't matter what it is. Put your time, put your money, put something in, um, other than your opinion on Facebook. Yeah. And if you put right. your opinion in on Facebook and you're, you're in a, you know, you're on the front lines too, then, yeah. you know, I think your opinion may mean a little bit more, but um, obviously everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it's just frustrating because, you know, there's so many opinions out there, but so few people are willing to actually get up and do something about it or open their checkbook and um, voice their, you know, their support in that, in, in that right. respect. So, and that's, you know, your time is valuable too. So you don't, you don't always have to write a check, right? Just to exactly. the point you're making right exactly. there. So if you're typing and you're passionate on, on social media, please just, you know, put your time where your mouth I is know. too. It's yeah. And join our, join a committee. I mean, and, and like yeah. I said, it's not even just about CCA. It's about any organization that you feel like is the right one for you is the right fit. Uh, you're passionate about whatever that cause is, whatever that organization is. That's the only way that these organizations are going to be stronger is by power and numbers. Mm-hmm. And ultimately at the end of the day, you know, we're still all connected by water. Right. So how are we all as a community going to get together and address all these things and put our boots on the ground and get the job done. Right. Right. Exactly. And I want to kind of segue too to all the reef projects and all the different things we do. None of it amounts to a hill of beans if we can't keep our water clean. Right. So I want to kind of segue where we started back to Fort Lauderdale, Miami right now with our bloom issues and the things that are going on. Um, were you recently on that boat trip with uh, the commissioner and Jeff the other day? Uh, I with- was not on the trip, but... Uh- because I thought that was a pretty important thing that Jeff did. Super um, important. But, and, and John. Super important. I give a shout out yeah. to John, even though yeah. he probably doesn't want me to talk about no. him. But <laughs> I'm going to shout out to John anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I was there via him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I think it's important for the commissioner to really kind of see firsthand, you know, a lot of the things that are really going on and some of the testing um, that has been happening. Um, it's not been favorable. Mm-hmm. Um, of the quality of the water right now <laughs> is in dire straits. So I really don't want to mince words when I say that. It's a problem. Yeah. It's a big, big problem that needs to be addressed, like ASAP. It would be addressed 10, 20 years ago, you know? Yeah, but, but so, I mean, we're at, we're at critical mass kind yeah. of thing right now. It's like, you know, it's not only just for fishing. It's, you know, it's for the health of our people. You know, it, the water is bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and all the work that we've done, because, you know, it, just a couple of years ago, you see all these drawings and stuff and these memes on Facebook about, the oh, you know, Lake O and, mm-hmm. you know, the Clusahatchee and the St. Lucie River and like, oh, and then guys like Brian Mast come in and this is, and, and Ron DeSantis and, and nothing for nothing, but this is what modern conservative leadership has done for this state, right? But down here in Broward and Miami, boom, 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 boom. All these sewers are popping. Mm-hmm. We have another issue. Still not done, right? The work is still not done. Yep. Like, even though we made great improvements in the state, great improvements for the Everglades, President Trump has, like, put in a massive budget for us to be able to address these problems, right? Because of the work that Ron DeSantis does for them. DeSantis has been criticized for being a Trump puppet. You know what I mean? Say whatever you want. The dude's got the year of the president, and he's brought a lot of money into the state to fix these problems. So say what you will about that, right? But we still have a problem here in Broward, Miami, that needs to be addressed, like, right now. So you're telling me that the mayor is where in his mind for this, the mayor of Fort Lauderdale? The mayor is, I think, has adopted the mindset that we all have. I think it's taken education. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's taken, again, like I mentioned before, it's taken the Jeff. And I'm not trying to bash the guy. I just yeah. want to know. It's taken, it's, I think it's taken education and it's taken that philosophy like Jeff has always talked about. And it's taken that trip out there to really see it for himself. Um, and, you know, and to really understand what people have been talking about. I think it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to see it. So I mm-hmm. thought that was a really, really smart uh, move by Jeff. Um, and I think it really worked. And I, and I really, really do feel I've had discussions with, with the mayor and several commissioners. Um, I, I really do feel like they do care um, and they're looking for. Uh, they're looking for solutions. They're looking for um, more guidance. Uh, and and I, I, I do feel like they are listening. And, and, and I think that's a big change since even a year ago or two years ago. And unfortunately, like, you know, to have unprecedented sewage spills to the tune of, you know, hundreds of millions of gallons, I mean, just completely unprecedented. To, for that to happen for not only, I think, our leadership to really get behind um, our waterways, but to also raise, you know, the awareness and in, in, in public opinion, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden now these things happen, especially happen in people's backyards. And all of a sudden now, you know, now people really understand it. And, um, you know, and I think that's a fault of everybody that we did not push harder, you know, for things to happen or make the public more aware about what's going on or put more science behind it. Um, and again, it's unfortunate that we've had to go through all of this and we may continue to obviously today, Uh you know, this is not over. 
Right. Um, I think we're going to continue to have challenges for the next decade or two. Yeah. Um, but I, I do really strongly feel like the leadership is has been educated, has been is is aware about these things now, and they've adopted, I think, a much more supportive mindset in understanding what our problems are and and, and looking for shovel ready things to do to fix them. Now, on the other hand, um, COVID has not helped. Uh, our state situation financially or locally at all, mm-hmm. given that our state depends on tourism right. t- uh, as a revenue stream. We don't have state income taxes here. Uh, we have sales taxes, um, but a lot of that, a lot of that revenue for the state comes from tourism. So I, I can't even begin to imagine what those conversations are looking like when it comes to budgeting. Um, and that goes with Fort Lauderdale as well. So uh, this, this COVID thing has not helped us financially um, at all as far as appropriating and allocating money to um, these specific issues. Now, that should not be an excuse, and we need to do more to find sources of funding to do things, and I think that has to come from the very top, from you know, from the federal government. Um, and I'm personally still really hoping that we get a uh, state and local government some sort of stimulus or you know, funding uh, and they get that worked out because you know states and states like Florida and cities like Fort Lauderdale really really need it mm-hmm. because it's crushed our revenue. Yeah. The um, yeah, that that is the COVID thing is a is a, is a big factor in it. You know, and you know, I'm not trying to point fingers by bringing up the mayor of Fort Lauderdale. I'm really not, right? Because I don't think this is a situation where pointing fingers is really going to matter. That's, this that's point. the first place that people are going to look to is yeah. that as all the way at the top, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's un- not going to matter, though. It's understandable. Yeah, but it's not going to fix anything, right? So all we have to do is just recognize that we have a big problem and how we're going to fix it. Let's move forward. Right. Now, from this point on, if nothing happens and a bunch of people sitting on their hands, right. then you can start pointing fingers like, hey, you're not, you know. But it's just, just, just like anyone working in the field or, you know, you know, doing a job. It's like, hey, we're all working here. What, how come you're not work or leave? You know what I mean? That's kind of the way I see it at this point. But, you know, the sewage breaks are direct, like, relationship to these a lot of these blooms, right? Wouldn't you think? We've had pretty bad algae blooms of um, not blue-green algae, but it's a different type of algae that kind of grows along the bottom, and as the water heats up, it floats up to the top. And so we've seen this nasty muck that's been floating around. And so I don't know, you know, I I would – I don't think that we can right now tie a scientific study to it, but I think it's a safe assumption that because we have excess nutrient in our water and nutrient like sounds like a good thing, but when it's at incredibly high levels, it's toxic. It's, uh-huh. it's, it's extremely bad. And so we have this, this excessive level of nutrient in the water that a lot of that is, can be from sewage. Um, again, can be from all the things that we talked about. Um, and fertilizers and so on and so forth. But uh, it causes these algae blooms. And when these algae blooms happen, they suck up all the dissolved oxygen in the water, and it's like a chain reaction. Uh-huh. And so, you know, um, a lot of this algae can be toxic, um, and it's just nasty to deal with. And so, um, I, you know, I would, I, I was, that was my biggest concern really after these sewage spills was all of this kind of excess sewage and toxicity laying around what that would do when the water really heated up i mean i was out you know looking at oyster patties yesterday at some people's docks and the water temperatures on the surface in the interior parts of Fort Lauderdale, los olos house is 94 degrees mm-hmm. boiling hot 
boiling hot. Um, wow. And that's that doesn't spell good for for anything as it relates to algae. And you can I mean you can see it. You know, we the the mayor saw it when he was on his trip. Uh, uh, Commissioner Glassman saw it when he was on his trip, and uh, with Jeff. And so uh, it's not going to get any better until we stem the excess nutrient or we're able to pull that out of the water in the areas that are real bad, especially in the stagnant areas that don't have as much tidal flow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people think, okay, well, because there it's an open area and it is subjected to tidal flow, they think that that water gets replaced every day or every tide cycle. But the fact is, is that maybe 50% of it may get moved or replaced, but there's still a large percentage of that volume, a large volume of that water that sits there. Mm-hmm. So it just, you know, it's a compounding problem. So we need to figure out how to um, be able to help the environment kind of heal itself in these areas and sort of flush these, you know, flush these areas out, so to speak, uh, you know, and filter them out. Um, and, uh, you know, and in general, you just see it obser- from from observations. You go to areas like Harbor Beach, anything that's closer to the inlet, that, that water is much higher in salinity means it's getting replaced a lot more. I mean, Mm -hmm. you look around docks, there's a lot more oysters, a lot more life there. The water just looks a lot better. I was going to say, as you start getting down closer to Sunrise, Oakland commercial, it's probably more of an issue. It's not, you know, it's, it's interesting. You would think that, but it's not as much of an issue as you get down to Sunrise and even as much up to Oakland as it is when you go up the river and you go west. Mm-hmm. That's where, oh, okay. the, that's where that the issues sense. are. Yeah. And, and that kind of logically makes sense as well. And mm-hmm. these are these are my observations, you know, with the scientific twist on it because of the oyster um, because of the oyster study. We have a hundred of these patties out in eighty six different sites mm-hmm. all around Fort Lauderdale. So I've seen how, you know, these things have grown and how they've colonized from areas like Harbor Beach, which are right by the inlet, to areas that are way up the river that are subjected to the most freshwater flow and the most toxicity because a lot of that fresh water is runoff or it's coming from, you know, it's coming from uh, developed areas that, again, have that alkalinity from concrete or they have the, you know, they have the fertilizers in it or, uh, you know, or, or even, you know, residual sewage in it or whatnot. So the, the water up further up the river is just in, in pretty bad shape. And, and you can, you can tell that just based on how the oysters, you know, how they grow or the lack of growth, so to speak in these areas that are further up the river. Now, as you get outside of the river and you get into the intercoastal system, salinity is much higher. Um, the water's a lot cleaner. The oyster grows a lot better. And like, we even have a site up by uh, sunrise at the bonnet house. Uh-huh which has a lot of natural mangrove and a lot of natural shoreline around it. Um, and the, uh, the oyster patty actually looks in pretty good shape there. I mean, there's pretty good growth there. Okay, good. Um, and it's nice to see FWC is, is getting behind what we're doing. We may end up sending some to them for observation of the organisms that are on there. Um, but yeah, in general, I mean, the areas that you would think are the worst areas have kind of proven to be that, mm-hmm. um, you know, those are the hot spots, so to speak not in a good way. Right. Um, so it's been really, really interesting. And, but at the same time, there's, it's encouraging too, because we know they can still grow. We know they want to grow. We know they're all, they're, they're still all over the place. We just have to give them help. We have to help the environment repair itself a little bit so it can, you know, it can fix itself almost on its own. But I mean, until all this stops and until we're able to clean these waters a little bit more and get these levels back into a healthy balance, they're not going to do that themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
there's still plenty of growth in a lot of areas really surprised me. Yeah. And, uh, first of all, shout out to the Bonnet house. They celebrated their hundred year anniversary yeah. this year. So in, in the people that kind of very much a family, um, great people staff over there yeah. that, that runs that show and, you know, really, really good hearted people. So I wanted to give them a shout out. Um, that's good work. Like a lot of sweat. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of sweat. I mean, that's, you know, that's good work. I mean, it really is. And, you know, and I just think it's important to bring a guy like you on to just kind of tell people like, you know, while you're going every day to your corporate job and coming home and watching Netflix every night, you know, there's people out there that are actually making th things like this happen for the greater good, you know, and, you know, stewards of our community that are working hard to really, you know, make Florida a better place to live and, you know, just keep it intact or make it flourish. And, you know, it's, it takes a lot of sweat, takes a lot of money, you know, takes a lot of time. Um, but more importantly, takes a lot of heart, uh, which you definitely have a huge one. Um, as from speaking from fellow Florida native, fellow Florida native, we're proud of you. So, and all the work that you've been doing. So it really does mean a lot. Um, I probably speak for John on that too. Um, so, you know, these, I mean, we didn't design and develop the show for, for just for, you know, on a whim, you know what I mean? There is passion behind it from what we are trying to do here too. And, you know, and just hearing that just, you know, makes you feel good that, you know, that there's someone out there kind of moving things forward like that. Anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. You yeah. think that though, but you're wired a little bit differently than anybody, but you know, anybody can help. That's you know, yeah. You know what I mean? Anybody can be a helper. You know? That's, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is. And yeah. know, that's what I've been saying the entire time is like anybody can help. It doesn't feel like you're doing a whole lot. And even as many hundreds or thousands of hours, I feel like I've spent on all these things. I mean, I feel like I've made the tiniest dent, mm -hmm. you know, in, in what we really need to do. But that just goes to show how much is needed from everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we've got to pioneer new technologies. We've got to pave paths to, uh, to, to have more science involved. We've got to, we've got to learn more about our waterways. We've got to learn more about what's affecting certain areas. And from that, we can begin to really, um, remediate and really improve a lot of the damage that we've caused over decades, mm -hmm. decades and decades. Again, like we said, this doesn't happen overnight. And, uh, and so again, it's, it's going to take a lot more than me and it's going to take a lot more than CCA and it's going to take a lot more than you and Jeff. But when you begin to put all of these people together and then you add more of them, our, our influence and um, our, utility becomes more and more and more. Yeah. Um, and so now's the time for us to continue this and take this momentum and continue to build on it and get other people involved in what we're doing and get more people to call us and text us and email us and message us and say, how can we get involved? How can we help? Mm -hmm. Because when I first started, people asked me all the time and I didn't really know. I, I didn't really know. I didn't know how people, you know, well, I don't, you know, how do I volunteer? And that was my biggest thing is like, we weren't really doing a whole lot on the habitat side. We weren't doing a whole lot on anything necessarily like, you know, grassroots or hands-on in the community in Fort Lauderdale specifically. So that was one of my biggest goals was to, to start just doing things. And so mm -hmm. now we have things If people want to help. Um, 
we we want we want them to be part of it. Yeah. No, that's outstanding. And you know, another thing too, I want to bring up, not to bring up politics in this like too much, but I just wanted to say just say one thing about it. Um, I wanted to dispel the rumor that you know the conservative mindset is a wasteful one, right? Because this is it's not at all. It, it's a responsible one, mm-hmm. I think, right? And this is what you know your modern conservatism is doing for the state of Florida right now. You know whether it's you and me, DeSantis, Brian Mast, right? Others in play that don't want their names mentioned on the podcast yep. today, yep. right? Yep. This is what we're doing. Yep. All right, we're preserving it and not wasting it. You know, and we're doing it for grassroots funding yep. and grassroots efforts and rolling up your sleeves and just getting it done, getting involved in the community. So if you're out there listening to this or if you're watching this show, get involved and do something about it. Let's just talk about it. Like Mike was saying, like on Facebook, don't be a keyboard warrior. <laughs> All right. Get off your ass and help. Okay. Because it isn't going away. All right. Fort Lauderdale, Miami, you're proving that right now. Other towns around the state are going to start proving that as their sewer lines start popping. Get off your ass and help. Now, contact the CCA, contact Mike, get involved with your local officials. There's things you can do. There's plenty of programs out there. There Plenty of things happening while you're going home every night and just watching Netflix. That's my piece that I'm going to say about that. You know, to your point, there's nothing more bipartisan than environment, than waterways. That's it. You'd be amazed. There's nothing more environmental. It. it doesn't nothing, have to be a political line. No, it's right? not. It's not. That's why I wanted, I wanted I, that's the reason I brought up the politics part of it is just so like maybe the other side of the aisle can realize that, hey, we're not so bad. You know what I mean? And maybe if we do come together, the other side is going to realize like, hey, you're not so bad either. Maybe we can find some common ground issues to explore together. There's a ton of it. Right? Because right now you're going home, whether it's Netflix or CNN or Fox News or whatever you want to watch at the end of the night, you know what I mean? That's going to make you mad, right? Because it does. You watch that crap and it starts just making you mad. That's all it does. It's all virtue virtue signaling. And that's all they do. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So throw all that crap in the garbage, right? And get out and make a difference. That's the only way. Whether you think one race's life matters more than the other, that's up to you. Right, we're not asking about race. We're asking about our land, and we're asking about our environment. Vote clean water, right? Vote with your conscience. That's it. Especially as today is a voting day. Oh no, this won't yeah. be. Although this is going to be airing on Friday, but you know we record on Tuesdays, air on Fridays. But it's an appropriate conversation any day, especially yeah, today. Right, any day, especially today. So I mean, I know I'm going to get out and vote today. Yep. Um, some of you probably know how I'm voting. Some of you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I talk politics on the show? I, do I don't know. I shouldn't do it. Is there anything else you wanted to go over while you're here? I, I think we. I think, think we covered we, all the bases. I think we covered it all. We got through a lot. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty impressed. I'm looking at this list here that I wrote down some, jotted down some notes, and I, we did a pretty. We were pretty comprehensive. So. All right. Yeah. So for those that want to get involved and donate their time or money, where can they go to reach out to you guys or? ccaflorida.org is a great start. If you have questions or want to contact me personally, my email, and you want to catch the spelling on this one, 
is Mike Lambrex zero, the number zero at gmail.com. M I K E L A M B R E C H T S number zero at gmail.com. Um, as anybody that's emailed me knows I'm pretty quick on that. So uh, why the zero they it was taken. <laughs> There's another Mike Lambricks in the world. And and one was taken too. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to put Mike Lambricks too. I'm just going to be zero. I know it, it upsets me all the time. Was M Lambricks taken? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was just, yeah, just checking, you know, it's, I know it's, uh, I could have had like, you know, last name of Jones. That would have made it easier. Yeah. Well, been Mike Jones. <laughs> Follow you on social media. Right. And, uh, at John, John Weller. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to John. You got to see John's photography and film work. It's amazing. Um, if everyone doesn't follow him already, you should. Thank you. Yeah. Um, are there any ads or anything we got to talk about before we leave? We talked about the FFMD. Yeah. Right. We got to tell people to go to connectedbywater.com and buy lots of stuff. Yep. Um, if you're looking for custom artwork and apparel design and, you know, shirts and stuff for your boat, we do all that. Um, and, um, yeah. Go eat at Papa's. Go eat at Papa's, right? Papa's Raw Bar. You know, you talked about great. all the, the, the troubles that people are having with COVID. They're yeah. coming through with flying colors. Um, Papa Amigos, I think there are little bumps in the road with the new venture they got going on with Papa Amigos, but they have been circumventing that with a food truck in Old Town Pompano. Um, everybody knows how we feel about Papa's. They're the best, right? Run by they the are. best people. Um, and in case you didn't know, the sushi menu is called the Connected by Water Sushi Menu at Papa's. I don't know. I don't know why. Right. I don't know how you pulled that one. You know. Off. So, and then um, that was a nice surprise that that Troy did for us. There is a uh, Takizi roll on there, and an OCD roll, and the Jumbolissa Sweat Dream roll. They call it, and um, it's a lot of fun. And the people are great, and the food is outstanding. Um, once again, we'll give another shout out to Joey Acardi and the fine folks at Acardi. Um, Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. So if you're looking for a vehicle, give them a shout. Um, I love my Ram Rebel. You will too, right? Or it's nice. It thinks beautiful. It drives like a freaking a Charger. Nice. Like I'm rolling around town in that thing, and everyone's looking at me like, "Man, that guy looks so cool." <laughs> I just know they are. <laughs> right. So, and more importantly, if you got anything out of this show today, we really hope that you um, support the CCA. Um, I think we laid out why on this show. So, And if you guys like beer and you're in Fort Lauderdale, yes. a huge CCA supporter uh, and a huge partner of ours locally has been Gulfstream Brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, they are on 13th Street, and they are still open, and they are serving beer, and the beer is phenomenal. We have a beer called the JMB Reef Ale. And it is a, uh, they call it a summer ale, and essentially it's a very drinkable, a little higher alcohol content uh, ale. Um, one of my favorite beers there, or actually one of the best-selling beers there. Um, just wonderful people, big supporters. So if you guys are into beer, Gulfstream Brewing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Gulfstream Brewing. Um, anyone else you want to plug here today? Jeff Maggio. Jeff. Jeff. I mean, we, how many times have we plugged that guy today? Right. You know, but, so. but, but he deserves it. Jeff, you only it. five bucks. <laughs> So, all right, cool. Mike, thank you so much for thank you. today. Thanks for having all me. Right. And we'll have you soon. Again, please. We'll do it again be, soon. Be a regular on the show. Awesome. Thank you. So, all right, your ego is not your amigo. Always do your best and let God do the rest.
Always buy all your vehicles from Joey Cardi. Always eat your dinners at Papa's Raw Bar, right? No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're always connected by water. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you.